one of my favorite quotes from Nina Simone is an artist's duty is to reflect the times that we're living in, right? So I think once we take care of ourselves and we can sort of come back to that sort of those words. Being an artist, like it's our duty. It's it's in the ways in which we do the things that we're doing already. Art's like, it's, it's ruling the world. Art rules the world <laughs> in my reality of it. Conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist. in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it with artists of different cultures, backgrounds, and mediums. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. This episode today is a milestone not only because it is the 30th conversation of process piece, but it is the first time I've ever interviewed two artists at once. I had kind of worried before this conversation that having two voices could possibly take away from the depth of the subject matter, but it ended up completely the opposite. It actually brought more depth, complexity, and resonance to the whole dialogue. It is also a special episode because it coincides with the launch of a brand new home for Process Peace, its very own website at processpeace.com. You can find this conversation there as well as all of the previous episodes and show notes, links to subscribe everywhere, and how to support Process Peace. Please go peruse and check it all out. So let's get on with introducing these amazing artists. Tamisha Guy and Donovan Reed are both incredible dance artists, currently working with the renowned company AIM by Kyle Abraham. Tamisha Guy is a native of Trinidad and Tobago and began her formal dance training at Ballet Tech. Later, she attended SUNY Purchase College as a double major in dance and arts management. She has completed summer programs with Complexions Contemporary Ballet, Springboard Dance Montreal, and Nathan Trice and performed works by William Forsyth, Pam Tanowitz, Loni London, Mark Morris, and Martha Graham. In 2013, Tamisha graduated with honors from SUNY Purchase College and joined the Martha Graham Dance Company shortly after. In 2016, she was selected as one of Dance Magazine's top 25 to watch, and she also received the 2016 Princess Grace Award. Tamisha joined AIM in 2014. You can find her on Instagram at Tamisha Guy. Donovan Reed is originally from Philadelphia and began his dance training at the age of 16. Soon after, Donovan continued searching for knowledge by attending college at the University of the Arts. During his time in college, Donovan participated as an artist-in-residence at a program in Frankfurt, as well as participating in an independent artist program where his training was extended with the Pennsylvania Ballet, the Philadelphia Dance Company, Elyon Dance Theatre, and the Rock School for Dance Education. He has performed works by choreographers such as Cedra Bell, Regina Van Berkel, Sharon Isle, Tommy Wahid Evans, Beth Gill, Andrea Miller, Mike Esperanza, Tanya Isaac, and Meredith Rainey. Donovan is currently working with Helen Simono Dance and joined AIM in 2018. You can find him on Instagram at D-O-O-N-N-O-V-A-N. You can also see more about their work and the company AIM at aimbykyleabraham.org. In this conversation, I ask both Tamisha and Donovan about their paths to becoming the dancers they are today and how they joined AIM, as well as what real collaboration looks like within the creation process of the company. They both also generously and openly share their insights and thoughtful reflections on issues in the dance and art world, such as defining safety, being an advocate for yourself and others within dance spaces and institutions, and an artist's role as a change maker in the community. Please enjoy this conversation with Tamisha Guy and Donovan Reed. Tamisha and Donovan, thank you so much for being here. It is a joy to have you on Process Piece today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks. Um, so I always start these conversations in the same place. Um, and I'd like to ask you both what your first memory of creating something is. And that could be dance related or otherwise. Um, Tamisha, let's start with you. 
I mean, if I go all the way back <laughs> to childhood, <laughs> um, I would say just like creating um, fun dances, you know, as a kid. Um, that's my very first memory um, where I wasn't taking it quite seriously, but just having fun with it. And um, I didn't know that I would become a professional dancer. So it's kind of interesting to reflect on that time when I was just sort of dancing and, you know, creating in my home for fun. Amazing. Were you performing or just kind of? No, just dancing Amazing. and, you know, thinking of myself as a creator, but not really knowing or having that language to um, know that it was possible as a career. You know, as a kid, I was just like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. I'm enjoying it and I want to do it. So Beautiful. And what about you, Donovan? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, has to do with my hands. Um not to say that I was any good at it, but I used to draw when I was much younger. I think it was an activity I shared with my uh, my brothers. Um, there wasn't very like much free drawing, but like we would find these images and like find this like translucent enough paper to where we could like trace like Dalmatians from movies and stuff like that. Uh, and I was always really good mm -hmm. at coloring. I stayed inside of the lines. Um, however, that is no longer the case. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think it just stems like my creative something stems from like the use of my hands. Mm, very interesting. So what made you both start to go further in your dance career and dance curiosity? And what was kind of the turning point um, to becoming a career? I would say for me, um, I'm originally from Trinidad and I was heavily in like sort of track and field and gymnastics. So dance wasn't really um, a part of my extracurricular activities. But when my family and I moved to New York, I sort of fell into dance, I like to say. Um, I started dancing um, at Ballet Tech, the mm -hmm. New York City Public School for Dance. Um, and they used to come, go into public schools and sort of audition children and, you know, see if they had potential to dance. And I was offered a position in their school. So that's sort of how I started um, dancing and, you know, taking classes. And it was solely mm -hmm. in ballet. Um, and I think from that point, I just kept dancing. I didn't know that I wanted to, or I didn't know there was a the option to pursue it professionally, but I enjoyed it. So I just kept doing it. Um, and I would say in high school is sort of when I realized that I could possibly do it as a career, but I still wasn't sure um, if it would be lucrative or mm -hmm. if, um, <laughs> you know, completely honest, or if I um, wanted to pursue it full time. So I took a year off after high school um, just to figure out what I wanted to do. And ultimately Dan sort of kept calling me. So I went to SUNY Purchase um, after that. And, you know, once I was at college, I knew immediately that dance was something that I needed to do and um, could pursue full time. Amazing. Was your family supportive of that decision? They were very supportive. Um, I think being from, you know, the Caribbean, it's maybe dance wasn't, you know, the number one choice, but I think sure. my family saw how happy I was and that was most important. Amazing. That helps so much to have that support. It does. And Donovan, what about you? Um, so I think that turning point for me, I think would have had to been in high school, maybe like right before my first year at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, um, my sort of journey to dance is like random. And so sort of like, yeah. I, I honestly just like <laughs> felt like I woke up and it was like at a bar. But I think, well, because I, I think for me, I stumbled upon dance just like a little bit later. I was 16 when I first started mm -hmm. taking classes at um, Franklin Learning Center High School yeah. in Philadelphia in like the downtown Spring Garden area. Um, and it was just like a thing to do because at the time I was a theater major, um, I wasn't very good. I was like, I had like terrible stage fright and, but I, I got it done. Um, I just like transferred over to yeah. dance. I think it's because I've always sort of like had this attraction to dancers. I was just kind of like, ooh, I want to latch on to these group of people. They seem incredible. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think in a way it was for me to just like make friends. 
<laughs> but, then it, but then it stuck. I remember being um, a summer student at the Rock School for Dance Education, also in Philadelphia. Um, and there was just like this intense training and this intense focus that really grappled me. Um, and I was like, wow, okay, like this is something, this is starting to feel like something I could like juggle with. Um, mm. And so I attended the University of the Arts and that's where like my entire thought process of like, the possibility of dance really just completely opened up and just like shattered my understanding of it. Um, I was just introduced to so many different ideologies and modalities of dance and the possibilities of the body to where I was like, even if this isn't such a lucrative opportunity and it could be, but like, mm -hmm. this has to be something for me and I have to continue to pursue this. One, because I think of my such huge dedication to it prior to coming to those moments, but I think it was just something that continued to spark my interest because it's just like this boundless thing, this like vastless chasm of everythingness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about the body and the humanness. So I think there just are so many possibilities within dance. And it's interesting that you said you were doing theater but had such intense stage fright. <laughs> Um, and I mean, dance also, you have to be performing and getting on stage. And I always think it's really interesting how often I'm someone who definitely chose to pursue dance despite feeling like I was never very technically good at it from the beginning. So it's something you really have to work hard at. And I'm curious if both of you felt just kind of a natural ease when you started dancing or if it was something you felt was a big challenge for your body and you've had to, either way, you've had to work incredibly hard. Um, but what that felt like from the beginning. If I can think past the constant soreness, <laughs> there was just like <laughs> this like seamless ease into the thing. I was just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I don't for I don't know for me. I'm I, I'm typically like very pragmatic, and so I was thinking it like logistically. I was like, okay, if I do this thing, then I can do this, and then from there, that puts me on sort of this trajectory to get here be able to mm. like reflect onto this to enhance that and so I'm thinking sort of like in these boxes where I'm like oh okay I need to get this done to be able to get this done to be able to get this done um and so it's a very sort of like plain objective in a way in which like mm. I want to continue to re-understand my body and in that re-understanding I'm re-understanding its mm. origins Wow, that pragmatism is very impressive because it's not the way I do my own career at all. Um, what about you, Tamisha? I would say I would agree with Donovan in a sense. Um, I think I was motivated by the challenge um, of, and I solely started in ballet, so I was motivated by the challenge right. of um, that technique. And if you know, something didn't work out the first time, I would definitely go back and think about how I can sort of execute it next on the next try um but i was also interested at a young age like how my body fit into that sort of technique and aesthetic and just knowing what i needed for myself um to execute uh certain like steps or um uh, movements so yeah i would agree with donovan for sure in that sense a lot mm -hmm. of reflecting and going back and reevaluating what has the audition process been like for each of you? Because that's something I'm sure started quite early on. You've both worked with so many amazing choreographers. And I personally, I'm more of a creator, so I've done very few auditions. So I'm really curious of what that process has been like and also maybe something you feel like you've learned about yourself through that process, something that you, you needed to learn through these auditions. I would say as well that I've done very few auditions. Um, I think mm -hmm. I've auditioned for, you know, institutions. So I auditioned for SUNY Purchase and then Fordham University. Um, but in terms of auditioning for companies, I only auditioned for, I would say three companies. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure why I haven't auditioned more, but um, I guess it's because I was fortunate to um, get work, but what I learned about myself in the audition process is that although I am auditioning for this opportunity, in a sense, I'm also auditioning the people at the front of the room, you know, because I mm. think it's about me wanting the opportunity, but I also have to evaluate if it's um, a good fit. 
you know, mm -hmm. for both of us. Um, and I think when I walk into a room with sort of that in my, you know, brain, I, it relieves some of the anxiety and um, sort of stress about auditioning for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You're kind of reclaiming the, the power in the room a bit for yourself. Yes. Yeah. And Donovan? Um, besides my having to audition same as Tamisha for institutions, I actually haven't really had so many different audition experiences besides um, auditioning for um, mm. pods is what we call them, um, pedagogies of dance is what we call them uh, at the University of the Arts in the dance department um, for like outside choreographers. But besides that, I've only auditioned for a few mm -hmm. um, aimed by Kyle Abraham being one of them. I worked with a woman named Helen Semino via audition, even though I had to audition for Helen like oh. on three <laughs> separate occasions. <laughs> um, I think one of my more notable audition experiences would have to have been uh, when I auditioned for aimed by Kyle Abraham. There were a bunch of different people and it was in, um, such a, a a moment of transition for me because I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I don't know what's next I don't know who I wish to work with well Kyle always being someone that I wish to work with but I was just trying to map out what my life was going to look like um even in some some form or sense and as I mentioned before like I I have a bit of stage fright and like that also is fueled by like anxiety and so mm -hmm. stepping into an audition I'm just kind of like I have no idea what to do. I don't know what's going on. I'm feeling like such an intense rush of emotions that I just like want to be good and I want to do good things. Um, but much like Tamisha, I've learned that like, as much as I have to learn from the people in front of the room, they also have equally of amount to learn from me. Mm -hmm. Because I would like to think of each of these individual um, encounters like as an opportunity to share um, and to be abundance in what I'm bringing into the room and equally absorbent. Mm -hmm. I remember during during uh, the Aim by Kyle Abraham audition, I had a friend in there with me, Yasmin Laidler, who dances uh, for the Ailey Company. Mm -hmm. uh, literally after the very first combination that we did on day one, she like snuck over to me in the corner and she was like, you look nervous, get it together. <laughs> and it was that like harshness and that sort of like, garishness I was just kind of like you're so right like get it together like what are you doing why are you freaking out like I think walking into the space it was like all, it was like such a cultivated like welcoming experience mm -hmm. I think one by now my from my fellow collaborators and Kyle himself like it was just like let's just like do this thing and have fun and like let's see what happens um and so it just sort of like erased my all of my anxieties and all of my nervousness um because of its like welcoming nature naturally. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think there's just like so much learning on both ends. Yeah. There's this like, vo uh, this, like volley of learning that's happening yeah. in an audition process, which I think could eliminate any possibilities of like anxiety or fear, even though frankly said auditions aren't fun. Right. They aren't. <laughs> I don't think they're fun for anyone. Yeah. But you know, yeah, we do them. <laughs> no, do that's them. really wonderful to hear because I think there's kind of this old fashioned idea of the choreographer as, you know, the center of it all and everyone else is just trying to please the choreographer. Um, but to hear that there's now this more kind of exchange of ideas and styles and perceptions um, happening in companies now. I mean, that's definitely the direction we should be going. So that's wonderful to hear. Um, well, that's you answered exactly what I wanted to ask next, which is how you came to be in Abraham Emotion, Kyle Abraham's company. So, Tamisha, what about you? How did you happen to come into this company? Sure. So, if I go back to Purchase, my senior year um, at Purchase, we are tasked with the job to create a senior concert. So we choreograph our dance pieces and then we also perform in them. And we have to hire an outside choreographer to choreograph our solo. Um, mm -hmm. And one of my best friends, uh, Christopher Hernandez, he commissioned Kyle to do his solo. So Kyle came to our senior showcase and he wow. saw me perform in the show and after sent me a really nice message on Facebook at the time, um, just <laughs> congratulating me and telling me um, 
that I was welcome to come into the studio and play. And I think at that point when I heard, you know, the word play um, as a college student, I sort of was curious, you know, I was like, what does that mean? Like, you know, and I sort of asked mm -hmm. around and um, it was a good thing. So um, <laughs> I, when I graduated from purchase, I started dancing with the Martha Graham Dance Company mm -hmm. um, shortly after. And during that time, we sort of had an off period and the off period was three months. And as a new professional dancer, I didn't necessarily have plans um, for what I would do during that time. And at that time, Kyle sent me an email asking what I was up to and I wasn't up to anything. And his company was going to Jacob's Pillow on a residency. Um, and he invited me to go with the company. So I went to Jacob's Pillow um, with AIM and I never left. Um, I would wow. say I tried to dance with both companies for some time, um, but it became quite difficult because just of scheduling um, conflicts. But yeah, that's sort of how my journey began um, with AIM. And prior to that, I knew of a dancer, um, Shalvar Montero, who also dances for the Ailey Company now. He had danced with Kyle upon graduating um, from Purchase College. So him and I were rather close. So we would talk about his experience in AIM. And, you know, so I sort of had him in my ear sort of talking about the company. So I knew a bit about the company prior to um, going on this residency with them. But that's sort of how it happened. And I've been in the company for seven years now. Incredible. That's wonderful to hear. You re it's amazing because you said in the beginning, you know, you kind of fell into dance and it sounds like you kind of fell into this opportunity really incredibly too. Yes. Um, so I'm curious about talking about the company. What is the creation process like within the company? How do you both feel that and move through that um, from your individual perspectives, but then also just kind of in the company in general? Yeah, I would say that we it's very collaborative, you know, I think that's like the first word that sort of pops into my head. Um, I can say when I first started with the company and sort of, you know, observing how things operated, I definitely saw that the dancers had a voice and I, that really attracted me. Mm -hmm. um, or a number of like, tools that um, Kyle sort of like has in his back pocket to share with us. Um, one of them is catch what you can, and <laughs> it, Donovan's it, laughing. What is this? <laughs> it, it's basically where Kyle or, you know, a collaborator, they're at the front of the room and they're just moving around and everyone else is behind them, literally catching what they can. Um, and wow, <laughs> some people are, are wow. rather kind and they move a little slower. Some people move a little faster, mm -hmm. you know, so to keep it interesting and fresh. Um, but we do a number of uh, tasks. So catch what you can. We also, um, Kyle, we learn from video quite a bit. That's definitely something in AIM that we mm. do a lot. Um, and Kyle often records himself improving, and then he sends um, the collaborators the video to learn. Um, so those are the first two that sort of like pop into my head because I know that we definitely use them often. Um, and then, yeah, and I feel like once, you know, the choreography, once we've learned the choreography from video or once we've caught the catch what you can phrase, you know, then we can sort of go back in and pull it apart and, you know, variate, restructure um, to cool. create um, the dances. Anything to add, Donovan, to that? How is the process for you? Catch what you can is <laughs> I am. I can only imagine. I mean, it's fun, but I, sometimes I'm just like, what happened? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Depending on the day, sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm like really on it, but then other times mm -hmm. I'm like, I have like two of like whatever 30 moves just happened, but like I'm, I'm going to stand honestly in my two moves that I caught on to. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, collaboration is like in all caps when it comes Amazing. to creating work. Um, Kyle really allows for like this in exchange. So like he gives a little bit, you give a little bit and it's all about like, how do you feel and like, what can you offer in those moments? I think he usually, he tends to like, he poses this like sort of like open-endedness um, and it's it's very much just sort of like a, 
how do you feel about this? Or I'm thinking about this, but like, what, what are you thinking? Or like, how are you, how do you feel this sort of like mobilizing? Um, and I think it creates this like really lovely intimacy that's like extremely encapsulating. And I think that's mm. the beauty in the craftsmanship of the work is the intimacy and, mm-hmm. um, well, because I know I like attention, but also <laughs> it's really nice to feel seen and to really feel heard seconding what Samisha was just um, talking about. It's just like, there's a, there's, a, there's a sense of trust that I think that emanates throughout this space. I think Kyle really trusts his collaborators um, and that just, opens up this like world of endless possibility which i think is fantastic and refreshing and also extremely encouraging i think Mm -hmm. um thinking about like standing in the company now or like where i'll be in a few years um whether you know it's on my own creative track you know these are sort of tools that i want to take with me because i think they they work so well and they create um they create environments and modes that like, I think produce really fantastic, beautifully in sync work. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. Well, I would argue that a lot of dancers like attention and crave that kind of intimate um, experience. And I think that it's so important because that really shows on stage as well. I think you can have a sense of a company when they're really well molded together and when they all really trust each other. And I think that makes a company all that more enjoyable to watch. Um, And I'm curious also in terms of that collaboration, how much collaboration is there in kind of more the narrative and the theme um, within the concepts? Because I've unfortunately only seen one piece live. I saw Pavement in London several years ago, which was incredible. Um, But it struck me as very narrative driven. Um, And so I'm curious how much of your personal narratives are brought to the table in these works. Uh, I, I guess I can speak a little bit on a work that I was originally hired to be a part of. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, it's called it Untitled Love. So it's yet to premiere, but let's hope 2021 can be yes. um, Let's hope. <laughs> but I think without giving too much away, um, there's a lot of freedom, um, but there is um, a lot of freedom inside the idea of a script. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle has this idea and he has this narrative in which he also, he has this trajectory for in which he sees sort of like um, spreading throughout the work for the lack of a better word at the moment. Um, <laughs> and I think again, going back to what I was saying, it's very much an open-endedness. He's so willing um, to hear what you have to say and like your influence of it like we have a lot of conversation about the narrative we have a lot of conversation about characterization and their Mm -hmm. possibilities and how my character is relating to yours and how me as donovan is i'm I'm sort of like filtering a bit of who i am in that character so that it's not feeling completely lost um Mm -hmm. we all yeah like we all have like our different approach to characterization but i think it's all just um I want to say everything feels welcomed. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with Donovan completely. And I think freedom is definitely the word um, to to use in that sense. And I would say it's it's encouraged for us to bring ourselves and our life experiences to the work. And that's really important to me as a collaborator. Mm-hmm. Do each of you feel that you have a story to tell as an artist and what maybe is the core of that story that you're trying to bring to the stage even when you're interpreting someone else's work if there's kind of a a personal message or a value that you're always trying to bring forward if that makes sense i think for me the word that pops into my head like automatically is honesty like Mm -hmm. i just want to be honest and i want for that to read yeah um, I think without giving it too much thought, um, I want to invoke thought. I think when I'm performing, I wish for an audience member um, mm. to leave in a sense of like, compl- uh, oh, what, how do I say the word? <laughs> Complimentary essence. Like yeah. <laughs> they're pondering and they're trying to figure out like what they just saw, but I also mm. want them to be able to stand true in their initial reaction of the performance. But then I also just want to invoke question and this in, in, in a huge sense of pondering it's like 
what's going on? How does this affect the, the ways in which I'm navigating the world and the ways in which I'm relating to people? Um, I just want people to leave thinking about something like wanting to wanting them to like fully be in that experience that leaving going home or hopping in the car to get on the road or going for dinner or drink or something like I just want them to be like oh oh wait and then this thing happened and then like wow like I want it to sort of be mm-hmm. unexpected and their realization of like what just happened it's like oh oh my gosh and like maybe even a few days down the line they're like I'm still I can still physically feel what just happened in that performance and like this is how I'm reckoning with that and like this is how I'm continuing to sort of like live with that um yeah I mean that's a that's a huge ask but I I think it's fantastic (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of us hope for as artists is to spark that dialogue. And I think those two answers are so linked um, because I think when you're bringing your honest self to the stage or to whatever creation you're making, that's always going to hopefully invoke honesty in other people and honestly look at yourselves and how you're receiving that work. Um, So, yeah, I love those answers. I'm curious if either of you have an experience um, as a dancer with a choreographer that has really changed you in a way, um, in a deep way. And that could be within AIM or another experience, Um, but something that has really shifted your perspective while going through that work. I think for me, it was, I worked with a choreographer named Beth Gill when I was at the University of the Arts and um, she created an original work called Yoke, (laughs) Y-O-L-K, which I, already loved um but I think what really shifted my perspective was um it's it was like a math equation I think the approach to the work and it was like Mm -hmm. this shifting around and it was sort of it was like playing the game of Tetris and I think for that it really expanded my mind around the idea of like how people use the space Mm -hmm. and the importance of that journey in the space and like all of its uh, capaciousness. I think there's this tetheredness that you have to the space. And I think Mm -hmm. as you're moving around, you, there's this sense of like warping and movability that you have being connected to such a space. And I think that's that sort of like ebb and flow and weave of bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. which I think Beth Gill really introduced to me. Um, She has this, Beth Gill has this really fantastic work called Electric Midwife. And it blows my mind every time I see it. It's, it in that same sense, like has this tetheredness to the space that's like really shaking the room, but like in the, in with such a simplicity of form, Mm -hmm. I think there, the complexity is in the way in which the dancers are assuming space, but then the mm. form is that sort of like simplistic air and clarity that I find really profound. Um, mm. And still, I mean, I, obviously, I'm like grinning as I'm talking about this work. Yeah, Gill. It, yeah I think in, in that sense, it's about, for me, it was about like the manipulation of space and the use of space and you know, the importance of that tetheredness. Yeah. Incredible. I think that's so interesting because I feel like I often hear space talked about in dance in a very postmodern way. And maybe that's just due to some of the teachers I had in university. Um, but it's this very kind of structured thing. But hearing you talk about it so passionately, it becomes this very like living, moving thing as it should be. Um, and I think that's such an important thing to remember as dancers and also as any creators, just this relationship to the space you're in while you're creating. It's beautiful. So thank you for that. I agree with you. Thank you. Tamisha. For me, I would say it was working with Kyle um, on a piece called Dare's Home. Um, (laughs) And it's a piece that was created in silence and it's centered around love, longing and loss. And in the piece, there are a series of duets, solos and one trio. Um, and I think my reason for saying that dance, as I'm talking about it, I can sort of still feel this like visceral, (laughs) um, um, feeling like just arising in my body, but it, 
the piece in its creation in its performance was super intimate. And I think it, it just feels really special. Um, the piece was also performed in the round. So you had like audiences all around and we were sort of like in the center. Um, and it was just really special, I think, working with Kyle in that sense and also getting to know um, my fellow collaborators on a more like personal and like intimate level, I think is something that I sort of still uh, cherish to this day. Um, it was definitely hard. It was a hard piece to tap into and to perform um, night after night because of the, I think, emotional um, work that we had to yeah. do. Um, and I can recall after performances, like I would just kind of zone in and, you know, like sneak out and like go home and, you know, cry. <laughs> but um, I think wow, going through that process was, um, it sort of offered another like realm for me to enter into as a performer. Um, and in the process, I had moments where I was just like, oh, I don't want to do this dance like tonight. I don't know if I have it in me. But each time that I sort of allowed myself to just like break open and be in the be in the moment and be present in that moment, I think it was super healing and, and gratifying. So, um, yeah, that, that's my my dance that I can think about that still sort of lingers in my body. That's beautiful, though. I think some of the best artistic experiences really are healing experiences. Um, I'm curious more about your, um, if, do either of you create your own work, first of all? I sort of started to, am starting to, um, but I still think that I have time to really figure out my voice, you know? Mm -hmm. I want to create from a place where I'm not just putting steps together. So mm -hmm. I think I still want to give myself more time to figure out what I want to say. Yeah. yeah. I can confidently say that I do not make my own work. Um, and I do not <laughs> currently have an interest in making my own work. However, I do have an intense interest um, in why others make work or why do others feel drawn to make work? Um, and two questions mm -hmm. that stand with me so true as um, are, you know, why are, you know, what are you saying and why are you saying it? I think that's my first entryway. And when I watch it work, I'm like, what are you saying and why are you saying it? And then that stems and then that creates more dialogue for me. Um, so no, I do not create my own work, but I love watching others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm always very curious between this relationship and dance because, you know, saying you're a dancer is a very general term. And within that, there is, you know, creator, choreographer, interpreter, all of these different roles. Um, so which role do you feel the most drawn to? And how would you maybe more specifically define who you are within the dance world? Um, and are you curious about exploring other roles also? I can say, I think I do have an interest in dramaturgical work. Um, don't really have much to say about that right now, but it always is, is very much lingering. I love the choreography of language. I love the specificity of words. Um, and I think it's so lovely and so it carries so much history and so much weight and like the use of language. I always say that like language is so important. Um, and so, I think if I can somehow be able to like stay within the realm of dance making and also sort of like lend to that my important my my thought and the important use of language, then mm -hmm. maybe somehow I can like <laughs> mm. I don't know stand true in the future of whatever my life could possibly look like. But I think dramaturgy sort of like has that and. I can see like what that is for myself um, eventually. Absolutely, that sounds really exciting. Um, in working so collaboratively with AIM, we are in a sense creating, right? So we're generating movement quite a mm -hmm. bit. So I like to think that sort of, I'm finding my voice within that world already, but I do enjoy just being a vessel um, as well. Um, you know, tell me where to go, where to move, what to mm -hmm. sort of um, tap into to um, deliver what is asked of me in the moment. Um, and I think I'm also interested, I would say, in in dance making 
in mm -hmm. a sense, but I'm also interested in how dancers sustain themselves outside of the studio. So I'm trying to sort of marry the two. Um, I haven't quite figured out how to do that as yet, um, but it's definitely something that I'm thinking about because I think I want artists to sort of have a better sense of their well-being, their finances, just like the mm -hmm. full package, right? And I think there is a way to do that while still doing something that you're incredibly passionate about. Um, you know, one doesn't have to suffer because of the other. So working on it, trying to figure out how they can marry each other. Yeah. What are some things you feel like you've learned in terms of that so far? I think I've learned just the importance of mm. both. And, you know, they definitely go hand in hand. I think when I feel confident that I could sustain myself, I think I perform better in the studio, you know, mm -hmm. because you don't have that sort of worry of how am I going to survive? How um, am I going to eat? You know, just certain things like that. So I think um, they definitely go hand in hand. Yeah. I had a really interesting conversation with a choreographer from Amsterdam once who was talking about a similar thing. And she kept saying, I want to create within safety. Um, and it was such a interesting, at first I didn't quite know what she was talking about, but then when we dug into it, it was that same sense of just, you know, being able to have so much more freedom creating your art when you have the sense of security in the other parts of your life. Exactly. And I think that also goes within the institution too, mm -hmm. you know, it's like advocating for yourselves with inside of your working space so you mm -hmm. can feel a bit more confident in leading your life outside of the studio exactly yeah donovan what has your experience been with with that um i just want to make a make a small little comment about the idea of like creating within safety and i think that's like totally mm. total, you know totally wonderful and i think it's also i always say this that it's also like extremely important to understand that like safety for everyone has its own structure and so mm -hmm. i think in the hopes to foster a space that is drenched in safety that like there has to be that recognition of like these different towers of safety for each person um and mm -hmm. i think even sort of like having that thought of wanting to create in safety is so gorgeous mm -hmm. can you repeat your question sorry i got lost in that thought no no i really appreciate that um just if you, your own experience with trying to create kind of a sustainable dance career balancing your life with your work life <laughs> <laughs> the glasses come off. Everyone wants to do that. If you take, they were like, I notice when you take your glasses off, you get really serious. Um, but <laughs> I wish people could see this, but I'm, I'm narrating it. <laughs> in all honesty, I'm still trying to figure that out. I think it's a journey that mm -hmm. is continuous. I think, I, yeah, I don't really have many words to lend to that. Um, as in, I mean, like I'm learning, I'm, you know, I'm learning from Tamisha <laughs> on a daily basis. I'm learning from my fellow collaborators in Aim by Kyle Abraham. Um, and so I think having that receptive, receptiveness and that openness to just like learn as much as you can and then be able to sort of like from your Rolodex, like pull these things out and also like advocate for yourself to like this, you know, this is, mm -hmm. you know, th th this is the thing that I need to be able to sustain myself. Like this is what I'm worth, like being able to settle mm -hmm. into spaces of complete equity, um, I think is very important, like on that journey um, and just simply like being able to advocate for yourself. Um, in the hopes to produce this life in which you can fully and confidently live inside of. Yeah, I think that's so important. What are some ways you think people can do that, maybe more specifically, advocate for equity within dance spaces and the dance world? Because that's such a, I mean, this year especially, that has come to light so much, um, but it's something we really need to consider and keep holding on to moving forward. So I'm curious just your views surrounding that. I think it's, I think, um, it's like, do not be afraid to ask for the things of what you think you need. Really being able to just sort of, to, to very, very clearly advocate for yourself. Um, I think even in that, starting very freshly from the beginning, figure it is figuring out what equity and what that looks, looks like for you and for the people that you're working mm -hmm. with inside of these many institutions. Um, I think it's very mm -hmm. different for everyone, but I think it's important to do your research and to, and to know that like, this is, uh, you know, 
this is the cost of living from this year. And so we need to be like projecting and like being in this like sort of propulsion forward to like be able to like assume up here to feel comfortable. It's just like doing your research and figuring out what equity means for you inside of those mini spaces and um, just like trudging forward and, and doing the work to actually do so. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have a better answer for you because I feel like we're all no, still great. inside of it. So it's like you're figuring out as you go along. Um, yeah. 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 And I think it, you're right. It does start with yourself and figuring out what that means for you and then starting to try to have more empathy of what that means for the others you're working with around you too. Completely. I'm just nodding <laughs> yeah. on my end. Um, I completely agree. I think is assessing your needs first and then, you know, figuring out sort of concrete plans that you can bring to the table to say, this is what I need in order to perform in this way. And not saying like, you know, if I don't get these things, I'm not going to hit those triple turns. You know, it's not in that way, but I think sure. um, just, you know, laying out sort of what your needs are um, and then, you know, being open to sort of have that conversation about, what you're willing to accept or not. But I think at first is definitely assessing what your needs are. Yeah, absolutely. Second that, it's very much about having the conversation. I think you, yeah, you literally just have to be willing to say what you need because mm -hmm. people aren't going to know what you need unless you, you verbalize it. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes it sucks a little bit, but like, we have to be the ones to start the conversations. Like they aren't going to come to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something I've, I've really seen AIM doing a lot through, I mean, just following all of Kyle's work um, and all of the dancers work as well. That always, even pre this whole year of the Black Lives Matter uprising, that has been such a core of his message the whole time. Um, yeah, how... How do you think other companies can start to move towards that? I think my initial thought was to say that there needs to be um, a reflection of that institution's core. Mm -hmm. Because if to your core, you're supporting uh, these like very harsh, like draconian ways of, you know, systemic racism and in exclusive, you know, in not being inclusive at all then you have to really just be like i think it's you have to harshly be able to like look at the histories of the institution to be able to even start to try to dismantle those things mm -hmm. to rebuild new it's all about that recognition um and about that understanding understand to be able to move forward mm -hmm. understand and and warp and change to understand to be able to move forward um it very much starts like from it starts from the groundwork from fl floor zero yes yeah yeah from the core <laughs> Absolutely. I would agree with that as well. Um, you know, it's definitely taking a look at your core values and what you've been sort of valuing over, you know, decades or so. And also, I would say an openness to listen, right? If there's yeah. um, feedback that's sort of coming your way to not get, you know, defensive, just take it in and um, reflect on what people are sharing with you. But I think definitely the groundwork needs to be with, you know, institutions sort of taking a look at themselves and um, and sort of like digging deep into what has worked and what's not working and be willing to sort of make change. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to, uh, in, your, in your bringing up of BLM, I think it's extremely important that we just like take a moment to recognize all of those lives that we had lost and continue to lose all the black lives Absolutely. that have been lost. And like, we feel, I feel every day, the potency like of that lost and also like the beauty that once was their living, they continue to live on, you know, unfortunately they're martyrs, but like we use them on a daily basis to continue to move forward. Um, and I think you can hear the strain in my voice that like, I think it's just very important just like take that moment to like absorb all of those things um, because it's, I mean, for me, it like totally affects the way that I'm navigating the world and living the world. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. 
it's it's so tricky as artists, you know, because I th- I personally think art is such a valuable thing in the world, and yet sometimes you wonder if it's enough. I mean, I I just wonder what your thoughts are around that because I mean I do think art has such a power to spark dialogue and start to create change, but when you're in the middle of really true human suffering it it doesn't always feel like enough i think it's the artists that actually get the word out mm-hmm. um, you know it's the writers it's the makers it's the people who are um cre- creating these images that are very so like very so much like just like in your face like on social media i know that was like such a huge channel this mm-hmm. year such a huge platform for these things to be seen um and i think um Wait, sorry, one moment. I can't remember it. I just need to think. Sure. So I got a bit lost in my thought. Can you repeat the question one more time? You know, it wasn't officially a question. It was okay. more of, it, it is just more of amusing on thoughts about what, kind of what our role as artists is um, when there are such pressing humanitarian crises happening in front of us. Yeah, and maybe there's no answer to be honest you know it's like you know I had to take a really um, big like breath Um, Mm -hmm. I think part of part of my answer wants to be um, you know for artists to sort of take care of themselves right because I feel like we're we're sort of always in the space of creating and and doing and moving and making. And I think when there's just so much going on in the world and and so much that is affecting a lot of artists, I think taking care of yourself first is the priority, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because we can't pour from an empty cup. So I think definitely taking that time to rest, to restore um, is really important. And you know, one of my favorite quotes from Nina Simone is an artist's duty is to reflect the times that we're living in, right? So mm-hmm. I think once we take care of ourselves and we can sort of come back to that sort of um, those words, mm-hmm. um, but it has to start with us first, um, taking care. Absolutely. Um, I think what I was trying to say earlier, sorry, I just had to make sure I was like doing the quote justice. Yeah. Um, of course. Tina Camped, brilliant writer, brilliant woman. Um, she said, slowness has amplified our attentions to injustice and violence. You wanna say that one more time. Slowness has amplified our attentions to injustice and violence. Slowness has been a really huge thing for me this year. Yeah. Like a forced slowness, I think, is what, is what seems appropriate. We all had to slow down. We had to pause for a second because we can't stop. We can't stop. We had to pause for a second, I think, which is really important. And that slowness for me has completely amplified my attention to violence and injustice. I mean, I don't think there's any more beautiful, more elegant way to say it that like more honest way to say it. It has amplified our attention to injustice and violence. And I think in perpetual thought, it's like, how can we continue this intention? How can we continue this focus? Um, and I think that being an artist, like it's our duty. It's it's in the ways in which we do the things that we're doing already. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's the writers, as I was saying before, like it's all, and I, I, I mean, honestly, like, Art's like, it's, it's ruling the world. Art rules the world <laughs> in my reality of it. Yeah. Because I think we have such a keen understanding and keen focus as to like where we're going and like what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. There's that specificity in the ways in which we manifest um, and apply ourselves to these social injustices uh, and to the world in general that it's yeah I think yeah I don't know my mind's like running 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 but like I think these are the words that I can catch on to right now but yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, really beautifully said. I mean, I think art is such a human core, you know, it brings that humanity to the issues. And I think that's always something really important. But Tamisha, like you said, you also really have to take care of yourself so that that's always coming from a place of honesty and authenticity, because otherwise it can get lost in the the hustle, I guess. For sure. I like to ask this um, if it comes up and it is kind of coming up in this conversation. So I'm curious uh, what being an artist means to each of you and do you really identify with that definition i think <sighs> you both unmuted at I'm the like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa what's happening um i have one word i want to say human um and mm. i think for me a very loose definition of being an artist is being a reflection of humanity and yes i i do think that range true 100 mm. um yeah that's all i have to say <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. That was beautiful. I think for me, the word that comes to mind is authenticity. Um, just being authentic in, in all that I do. And, you know, I'm trying not to sort of like identify with anything in a sense, but I think definitely coming from doing all things from an authentic place is what is incredibly important to me. Thank you. Those are both such beautiful answers. Um, Well, we're starting to wrap up here. There are two kind of quick things that I always like to ask everyone. And one of those is, do you have any daily rituals in your life that help enhance your own creative life? And often people think morning rituals, it doesn't have to be, it could be any small little thing that just helps you stay kind of creative and in that space. I think for me, something I can share, um, and it's something I do each morning, you know, as soon as my eyes open, I'm just grateful that I'm able to seize another day. So I definitely have a moment where I just stay still. And um, I immediately, as I get up, I make a cup of tea. That's sort of like my, you know, it it helps wake me up and just, I feel um, it definitely feels like a routine because it's, it's something that I have to do. You know, I have to express yeah. gratitude in the morning and I have to have my cup of tea. And um, I know when I don't do those things, I feel off. So yeah. it, it helps me just to ground myself um, to seize the day. Yeah, I think grounding. That's what I like about asking this, because often these conversations get so intangible that this kind of pulls it back to the ground. So thank you for saying that. Well, the first thing I do is drink copious amounts of coffee, um, for sure, (laughs) which is my grounding. (laughs) (laughs) But I think something that I do every day, I don't think it is sort of like a direct answer to your question, but I I like to read. I read a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I am a lover of novels. um, Mm -hmm. And so I always have a book with me. But I think in that sense, um, my relationship to reading is very very close to my relationship to dance. Um, I think Mm. those two things fuel each other. And I think my appreciation for the written word allows me to intensify my appreciation with my art making. Because Mm. it's like I'm on this, I, I constantly have this sort of like makeup of art and like a book form this binding with me all the time. And so like, that collection of prose, that collection of words allows for me to also be able to sort of create my own collection of-ness. Yeah, very cool. Do you have any favorite authors? Um, I read this really fantastic book this year called Real Life by Brandon Taylor. Um, I love Brandon Taylor. I love Haruki Murakami. I love Zadie Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Washington just came out with a new novel and I think it's also oh, lovely. Um, Douglas Stewart, who just won the Booker Prize, has a really fantastic novel called Shuggy Bane. Um, hmm. I'm currently reading a book by this woman named Sue Miller, who's like just like a fantastic writer. Um, Tony, Tony Morrison, I mean, The Bluest Eyes just like yeah. changed me this year. Um, yeah, those are just a few I think that come to mind. Just Perfect. Thank you. Lots of recommendations there. So one more thing I like to ask is what is just what is currently inspiring you in your own creative processes? Is there something maybe that keeps popping up a theme or um, just something that yeah keeps coming into your mind as an inspiration? For me, I think it's just I, I can uh, it's my fellow collaborators. 
I think being in the space with them, um, whenever we do have the chances to be in the same space together, um, it is just like an endless sphere of inspiration. I think I'm so mm-hmm. lucky to be able to like work with such incredible human beings and makers and artists. Um, it's just it's just really inspiring and extremely incredible. And I feel that hopefully in my body, I'm just kind of like, oh, we that's what we're doing today? Great. I would say the same. Um, I'm inspired by the incredible artists um, I'm in company with each day and just by the artists of the world, honestly, it's been a really beautiful, beautiful, such an interesting word, I guess, to use to sum up <laughs> um, 2020. But in terms of, I think, what a lot of um, artists were able to do during this time, it's been really inspiring. And um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful that a lot of people still sort of have the the fight in them to continue to create and to share and to give themselves to their work um, and to, you know, the people who needed the time to sort of reflect and refresh. I am, I completely understand that as well, but I'm just inspired by everything that I'm surrounded by, all of the people that I'm surrounded by as well. Um, and there's just inspiration. And I think in in sort of the smallest areas in in our lives too that I like to tap into mm-hmm. um yeah nice I think that's such a great way of looking at this past year is there was so much beauty despite all of the suffering that happened as well and I think it's such an important perspective to hold on to that those two contrasting things can exist in the same space Well, thank you so much for this incredible conversation, both of you. I feel like we really went to some fascinating, deep places, and I just appreciate being so open with me. And yeah, thank thank you. you. Thank you for having me and us. So wonderful. It's really nice to be here. Thank you both. For links to connect with Tamisha and Donovan and find out more about AIM by Kyle Abraham, head over to the show notes now at processpeace.com. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at processpeace and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my Sunday newsletter via rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Peace, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. And three, make a contribution or become a sustaining member at buymeacoffee.com slash rubyjoe. A huge thanks again to both Tamisha and Donovan for this powerful conversation. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening. Mm